Hello everyone. It is so great to share the Word of God with you today. If you are visiting us for the very first time online or joining us rather uh, for the first time online, we are so delighted to have you. Thank you for joining us. We have been on a series of um, rebuild for the past three weeks and it has been amazing. I hope that it has challenged you. I hope that it has poked you in the right places and then we can move forward and take action. Today, I get to wrap up this series and my topic is Asijigi. Asijigi, we are not going back. There you are, you have a Nguni word, in your bag for free. That phrase, Asijiki, carries so much determination. It carries, uh, there is a resolute about it. Uh, it carries a conviction that I am not going back. Come what may, I am not going back. Some of you know uh, Simon's story, my husband. Um, if you don't, I'm gonna tell you. So Simon was a young freedom uh, fighter in his youth days. And um, his parents were just tired of being raided by police at, um, you know, ungodly hours of the morning, like three o'clock, two o'clock. And they sent him to his exile in Buputazwana in the form of boarding school. Um, Buputazwana was a homeland then, meaning that the Transvaal police or soldiers had no jurisdiction, so he was safe. And they had this song that they would sing when they go to rallies or go to Toy Toy, which comes out in our home now and then when the going gets tough. And it's in Sisutu, I will translate it to you just now. It says, Hare Checheli, Hare Checheli Morao, Magwala Ahutele Morao, Rona Babeluzetata, Riebili. We are never, ever going back. The cowards must go back home. And we, with brave hearts, move forward. Come what may, we are going to fight for our freedom. It made me think of the veterans, uh, freedom fighters, Order Danielson Mandela, who were sent to prison. And at the time, it felt like um, the dream of rebuilding this nation, the dream of fighting for freedom and equality was, uh, was gone. They needed to keep mentally, physically, and emotionally strong. They needed to keep their attitude in the right place. In the face of brutality, in the face of harsh treatment that was um, geared to deter them from the dream, they needed to keep strong so that the rebuilding can continue here back at home in their absence. And friends, Rebuilding is never going to be an easy task. We are going to be faced with oppositions, but we need to be fully engaged. We need to be fully in. Today, um, we're going to look at the book of um, Nehemiah and we're going to look at three things that um, I see that Nehemiah did. And um, I mean, we can have more, but for the purpose of this sermon, I want us to look at Nehemiah's attitude uh, look at Nehemiah's defense strategy and look at Nehemiah's focus. Let's read chapter one, verse one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, 
in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah hears this news and he is broken down. He is lamenting. Nehemiah knew what it meant for the walls of Jerusalem to be broken down and its gate bent down. He knew that not only did the enemy gain access physically, but the enemy had gained access spiritually as well that he had, you know, um, taken the people of Israel from saving their, the one true God, but saving other gods. The broken walls of Jerusalem was indicative of the spirit, of the soul brokenness of the people of Jerusalem. And there was enough to make Nehemiah cry and respond in prayer before the Lord. And friends, there is enough to make us cry too. The broken souls around us are in our nation, in our city, is enough to make us cry and lament before God. I believe that there are so many things that make us cry. Many things make us weep, but we can cry until we have no tears anymore. If it doesn't move us into action, then it hasn't broken us enough. If it doesn't move us to action, it hasn't broken us enough. If it's big enough to cry about, then it's big enough to pray about. How does Nehemiah respond? He responds in prayer before the Lord. Uh, Mother Teresa says, I used to think that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. The more we sit enough in that place of prayer, the more our attitude is changed about the situation around us. The more God gives us a perspective about the brokenness in our city. Strategy and our, 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 our expertise about subject matter is great, but it is not going to move us into action the way God wants us to. And that was, that, that's why it was so important for Nehemiah to sit in that lengthy time of prayer and fasting so that God can change his heart. Our first obligation is prayer. Prayer is not our last resort. It is our first obligation. And let us move in prayer about the things that break our hearts in our city. I believe that if Nehemiah didn't, you know, uh, move into the place of prayer, 
he would have his attitude his attitude would have been like the one who hears the news breaks down and cry wipes his tears shrug his shoulder and say um shrug his shoulders and say you know somebody else will do it it is not my problem and by the way nehemiah had a comfortable position he was a king's cup bearer so he was okay. He didn't need to actually cry about the situation back at home, but he didn't allow his attitude to sit there. He allowed God in prayer to change his attitude about the brokenness of his people. And I pray, friends, and hope that we will not be like the ones who flip over the news or scroll over the news um, and say, oh, that is so devastating. And think that just because it doesn't affect us directly, it's not our problem. May we sit long enough in that place of lament until God changes our attitude about the situation of brokenness around us. The second thing that Nehemiah did was to got up his defense strategy. Nehemiah knew that he was going to face opposition. The enemy was not just going to take a back seat and, 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 and allow Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. He knew that, you know, he was going to be faced with destructions. So his defense strategy was in the word of the Lord. He sat in that moment of prayer and while Nehemiah was praying, guess what? God was at work. God was working on his behalf when it was time for him to serve wine to the king. The king realizes that Nehemiah's countenance is, 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 is not as he's used to. The second thing that we are going to look at is Nehemiah's defense strategy. Nehemiah's defense was in the word of the Lord. Nehemiah knew that he was going to face opposition. He was going to face destruction from his enemies. His enemies wouldn't just sit back and allow him to rebuild the walls. They were involved in the breaking down of those walls and they were not going to allow him to just go and rebuild. So Nehemiah knew that he was going to face opposition. And for us, friends, we will face opposition as we rebuild. So Nehemiah, while Nehemiah was praying and entreating heaven, God went to work on his behalf. When the time to serve wine came, Nehemiah appears before the, uh, before the king to serve wine. And the king realizes that there's something different about the, the countenance of Nehemiah. He's not the usual Nehemiah that he knows to be. And he inquires, what is wrong? And Nehemiah tells him about the plight of his people. And not only did the king look at Nehemiah with favor, and um, provided Nehemiah workmanship, but he provided 
also the papers that Nehemiah would take and show to his opponents that I am allowed to go to Jerusalem to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He also gives him permission to the minister of forestry to say you can get timber to go build and to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And most of all, Nehemiah gets the word of the Lord because he needed to present before his men that were going to help him to rebuild that the king has allowed us. But most of all, I have the word of God. Let us read chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates bent. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of, of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. What is your defense strategy as you rebuild? One of my favorite movies is Karate Kid. And whether you are Mr. Miyagi's works in, works out, or like me, you are Mr. Han's um, viewer, I'm sure we can draw the same principles from the same movie. Dre moves to uh, uh, Beijing, China with his mom and he gets into a school where he is bullied by uh, this Kung Fu trainees, a group of uh, Kung Fu trainees. And he reaches out to his landlord, Mr. Han, to give him some Kung Fu training. Day after day, they get into a training routine that really seemed mundane and seemed useless because all it, 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 it involved was the jacket in, put on your jacket, take off your jacket, hang your jacket with an attitude, drop your jacket, pick up your jacket. Day in, day out, the same thing. And what Mr. Han was actually training Chow Dre, as he affectionately calls him, was how to defend from the punches of his opponent, how to defend himself, how to duck those kicks of his opponent. And this is how Paul puts it to us as believers. In Ephesians 6 verse 16, he says, take up the shield of faith in which you will, you will extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. What is your defense strategy as you are rebuilding, as the task is before you. Let us stand firm in the word of God because that is our defense strategy. Take up the shield of faith. The third thing that Nehemiah do was focus, to focus. Verse, I'm sorry, chapter six, verse one to four. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, 
Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hakifirim in the plain of Ono. That sounds like a dangerous place. Hakifirim and the plain of Ono. It's Ono, you don't go there. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. What a persistent way of derailing and um, distracting Nehemiah. He kept at it. I am not coming down. I am doing a great job. And easy. Friends, there are going to be distractions that are going to derail us or that would, you know, um, want to derail us from the work that God has called us to do. And some of those um, distractions will come in disguise in a suit of, you know, this is a great meeting where you can network, where you can increase your influence. Some of those will look really unharmful. Be careful, focus. What are the big rocks? You are saying yes to the big rocks and no to the parables and do not be distracted. Focus. No is a complete sentence. I have learned over the years that, you know, I grow with my no's more than my yeses. And may we say yes to the right things, no matter the distractions before us as we rebuild. Verse 5 to 8. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to this report, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of this report. So now come, let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say have been done for you are inventing them out of your own mind. What an amazing comeback from Nehemiah. And this was the last straw, defamation of character, the red button. Anyone knows that when your character is attacked, it's enough to actually pause whatever that you're doing and go and defend yourself. And yet Nehemiah kept at the work and he says for the fifth time, I answered them in a very same way. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. And friends, when the enemy has tried everything, he is going to come to us with 
and attack our character and lie to us and say to us, who do you think you are? It's not going to happen. You don't have what it takes to rebuild your business. You don't have what it takes to rebuild this marriage. You are not worth it. Here is your response. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And easy, full stop. On the last prep of, you know, before the, before the tournament, Mr. Han takes Chaudray on a trip to the mountains where he trained um, his Kung Fu. And as they're walking through towards the top of the mountain, they passing through um, groups of trainees who are doing their training routine and they get to the spot where um, it seems like a woman is following this cobra's uh, movement. And Chaudre is so intrigued by this, um, by this training routine that is happening. And as they get to the top of the mountain, he says to Mr. Han, Mr. Han, did you see how powerful that snake is that it was controlling that woman just like this? And Mr. Han says, no, Chaudre, you didn't see properly. The woman was controlling the snake. The snake was following the woman's movement because the woman is still and focused. On the day of the tournament, Chaudre's opponent has kicked him so hard, he's on the floor and he's battling to get up. Eventually, he, get, he, he gathers all the strength to get up with his one leg. And as he's standing there, he silences all the noises around him and he focuses on the task that is before him and he brings his opponent down. There is cheering around him and he's unsure of what's happening. He looks to his um, coach and the coach says, you have won. You have won, Chaudre. And friends, as we focus on rebuilding, let us silence all the noises around us and focus on the task that is before us. And at the end of it all, we will hear our coach, King Jesus says, saying, we have won. Do not give up. If you are in that place where you don't even know where to look, where to start, how to start rebuilding. In the book before, uh, the book before Nehemiah in Ezra chapter 10, Ezra had just built, rebuilt the temple and the Israelites um, have, have gone against what God had said not to marry into the other nations because they follow the foreign gods and they go and do that. And Nehemiah, sorry, Ezra is, is, is in shame and he is so discouraged. The leaders of Israel come to him to encourage him. And these are the words that they use in Ezra 10 verse 4. They say, rise up, Ezra, take courage and go do it. And so if you are feeling the same way as Ezra was feeling, feeling very discouraged and not knowing how are you going to rebuild whatever that's been broken down in your life, where are you going to start? Rise up, 
take courage and go do it. I want to pray. And I want to pray if you have never received Jesus Christ, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you. The only way to rebuild is to settle your foundations. And that foundation is Jesus. Anything to be rebuilt and to stand the test of time has to be seated on this foundation that is Jesus. So if that's you, you have never invited Jesus into your life, I would like to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart this morning. I pray that you will forgive all of my sins. I want to have a relationship with you. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you come into my heart and may I live for you for eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you have prayed that prayer with me, um, I would like you to contact the number on the screen right now. There will be somebody who will take you through the process and um, tell you more about this decision that you have made. We are so delighted. Heaven is rejoicing with you. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday. Pastor Lindy, we really thank you for that powerful, powerful word. Indeed, we are in a season of rebuilding, rebuilding our nation, rebuilding our city, rebuilding our lives. What I know for sure is, is that God will give us the strength and grace that is needed to overcome any oppression. Don't forget to join us on Thursday evening from six to seven on our YouTube channel as we pray together corporately. And may God bless you through this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us this morning. Much blessing to all of you.